All right, let's bring it back together. What kind of answers are you getting? What, what goes into How do you make those kind of decisions? What kinds of things do you think about, about a name? Go ahead. Last names are important too. Yes, indeed. Family. What was that? You bet. Absolutely. What else? The meaning of the name. Yeah, what else? How to make fun of the name? <laughs> yes, this, this is a good segue. I, I can remember with each one of our kids, uh, there would come a time, in fact, this would happen a lot of times before bed, uh, Tina would say, hey, you know, it's getting close, we're a couple months out or whatever, we need to start thinking about some names. And my instant response, I don't know what this tells about, says about me, but I start, my brain starts crunching on all the funny names, like the funniest names I could come up with. Uh, and with the last name like Shearer, I have to say, you got some good options, right? Some good material there. And so I can remember, I mean, I would start going through and, and being like, well, we could, uh, we could name, if it's a girl, it could be Teresa, and Tina would be like, oh, I love that name. We could call her Tree, I'd say. Tree Shearer? <laughs> or how about Rose? <laughs> like, wouldn't that be marvelous? Rose Shearer? <laughs> like, Hedge? I mean, like, what, what else you got? I mean, I, I was like, maybe we could call her, if it's a girl, maybe we could call her something like Sarah Olivia. Her initials could be S-O-S. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, but like, some, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, the House family uh, had put a, a, a request up on the internet on Facebook a couple weeks ago, or a couple months ago, maybe. I don't know. Uh, for asking for names, and I had similar sort of uh, uh, good ideas for them. She's, she's probably like, would you shut up? <laughs> you know, kind of thing. <laughs> but uh, House also gives you some options. But I, I ran across one this week that, that I thought was hilarious. Uh, a young woman by the name of Helen who married a guy with the last name of um, Back. And so her name was Helen Back. <laughs> I don't know if that was like prophetic about their marriage or like what that's what that was, but I, I thought there's you kind of got to be careful with some of these things, don't you? Well, believe it or not, um, Tina didn't actually go with like Teresa or any of those kinds of names. None of none of my suggestions made the final uh, top five or ten list. I, I'm kidding, but we uh, it's always been important to us. We try to name our kids uh, based off of who we thought God said they would be, or maybe a, a, a biblical promise that we felt like God. Gave us for each of the kids, and so like Elizabeth, uh, she was our first, and uh, her name means consecrated or set apart for God, and we kind of felt like that's that's what we, what we wanted. It was maybe an aspirational, but part of God to just God saying, "This is my kid, right? This is this is my daughter and uh, my first, you know, my firstborn, so to speak." And so th that was kind of cool. Or, or Abby was named Abigail was named uh, in a season that was pretty dark for us, and we felt like it was a promise that, that her name means the Father's joy. And we kind of felt like it came with a promise from God saying, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to restore your joy and I'm going to give you, and I'm going to actually take great delight in her. And so we named her Abigail or, or Jonathan. Actually, his, his name came from a scripture that we felt like God gave us about him. It comes from the, the book of Luke, and it's talking about John the Baptist. J, that's why he's got an H in his name, J-O-H-N. But it, the scripture says, he'll be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice at his birth for he'll be great in the sight of the Lord. And we just kind of felt like that was a scripture that God gave us. And so we picked names with who we thought God said they would be, or maybe even who we hoped they would become, some of those kinds of things. Well, 700 years before the birth of Jesus, God speaks through the prophet um, Isaiah, and he announces some names for his son. And uh, as is common in the Bible, all of these names are super rich in meaning, and they give a picture of who Jesus is and what he came to do. And so throughout the month of December, we're taking a look at one of those names um, every week, and we'll kind of dig into them a little bit and talk about why it's significant, why th these names matter to us, and what difference they make 
in our lives. So let's take a look at this passage. We're going to camp out here throughout the month of December. It's Isaiah chapter 9, starting with verse 6. Again, it's a prophecy written about Jesus, and in it, God gives us his, some names that will be attributed to Jesus. It says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, he'll be called Mighty God, he'll be called Everlasting Father, and he'll be called Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his rule and his peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne, the Messiah, and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Well, today I want us to zoom in on that first kind of prophetic title or that name of Jesus, Wonderful Counselor. And, and it's easy for us, I think, when we hear that to kind of think of our 21st century understanding of what is, what's a counselor. And so we might picture a room with a couch on it, right, uh, sitting over here, and there's a chair kind of tilted at an angle. And we think of somebody sitting there, maybe they've got glasses and they're taking notes, and they're very empathetic, and they're sitting there going, mm-hmm, 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 how do you feel about that, right? Or, or maybe you get pictures of Dr. Phil or something. <laughs> like, you're stupid or something. I mean, like, <laughs> how's that working for you? Or something. I mean, maybe you got pictures in your brain of that kind of thing. And I, I just want to say, I'd like us to kind of hit pause on those because those are not actually the biblical understanding of, of, of what the wonderful counselor really is. And so I want us to step back and kind of dig into that uh, title for just a second, and then we'll kind of take it from there. But the first word that's actually used there that's translated wonderful is actually a Hebrew word, Pele, which, uh, believe it or not, is not talking about a famous soccer player from Brazil, but actually means, it literally means beyond understanding or too wonderful or too glorious or too magnificent or too awesome to understand. In other words, it's not just talking about him being a really good counselor. The word wonderful actually is describing who Jesus is. It's not just describing the type of counselor that he would be. Does that kind of make sense? I mean, it's saying he's awesome. He's powerful. He's all-knowing. He's better than sliced bread. He's better than anything you have ever seen. There are not sufficient words to describe how amazing he is. He is wonderful. This has been something that, that shows up throughout Scripture, but it, it shows up as well throughout church history. This is from Theophilus. Of, he was a bishop of Antioch in the, in the mid-2nd century, and he, he was trying to describe him this way. He says, for in glory, he, Jesus, is incomprehensible. In greatness, he's unfathomable. In height, inconceivable. In power, incomparable. In wisdom, unrivaled. In goodness, inimitable. It means beyond imitation. In kindness, unutterable. He's saying he's amazing. He's wonderful. He's beyond what we can even imagine. The Westminster Catechism puts it this way, God is spirit. He is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, in his wisdom, in his power, in his holiness, in his justice, his goodness, and his truth. He's wonderful. He's, they're saying, right? That is who he is. That is who Jesus is and who he will be. He is wonderful. He is beyond uh, good, beyond amazing. The second word, counselor, means literally not just one who listens, but more accurately, one who advises, one who instructs, one who guides from a position of authority. It's not just somebody that listens, but somebody who actually gives you sound advice, solid guidance for how you are to live. Somebody who gets it, who has walked your road before and has the wisdom and understanding and perspective enough to guide you and lead you through it successfully. 
The other primary person in the Old Testament that's referred to as a counselor is actually King Solomon. Anybody remember anything about King Solomon? What do you, what do you remember about him? He was rich, but that's not really what I'm getting at. What else do we know about him? He was wise. He's, he's talked about as the wisest person that had lived, right? He, was, he had tremendous understanding, tremendous wisdom, and he's the author of several of the books of the Bible. They're, the books that he wrote are often referred to as wisdom literature. They're books like Proverbs or Ecclesiastes, and they are uh, filled with jaw-dropping kind of truth about how life works best. It's practical, it's deep, it's true, and you read this stuff and you're like, wow! And, and, and it's the word, right, that uh, from a biblical perspective, they looked at him and they said, that's like a counselor, somebody who has tremendous wisdom and understanding and is able to guide you on how life works best. Now, that's a man, Solomon, that God had blessed, and how much more so, I mean, think about times infinity, right? Jesus comes from the Father full of wisdom and truth and grace, and He comes and He enters our world and He speaks and He leads and He heals and He works in ways that are just jaw-dropping to people that are awesome, right, that are amazing. And He shows wisdom about how life works best in ways that we, I mean, just leave people speechless, He's the wonderful counselor. That is exactly who Jesus is. In fact, all over the New Testament, you see people awed by Jesus' teaching and His wisdom and His power and His miracles. People stand back and say, who is this man? Who can do what He does? Who can teach like He teaches? The crowds would be like, I've never seen anything like this. I've never heard anything like this. Let's look at, look at a few of these. Matthew 5 through 7 is a, is a passage of Scripture. It's referred to as the Sermon on the Mount, and it's referred to the sermon as the Sermon on the Mount because it's a sermon that Jesus preached on a you guys are so sharp, I'm telling you what. Right, on the side of a mountain, on a mountainside. It's a big, tricky name. They call it the Sermon on the Mount. It is referred to by many as the best sermon in history, right? I mean, the most profound, and, and, and not without cause. I mean, it's jaw-dropping kind of wisdom. Jesus talks about a whole host of topics, stuff, anything like anger or lust or hatred or forgiveness. He talks about the poor. He talks about divorce. He talks about anxiety and worry. He talks about judging others and a whole bunch of other stuff. And He teaches with such wisdom and such understanding and such clarity that it left the people of His day speechless. Listen to what they say at the, end of, at, the, at, at the end of this. By the way, if you have not read the Sermon on the Mount, I would encourage you to go home today and read Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. It's amazing stuff. It's transformational kind of stuff. But this is what they say. They get to the end of the sermon. You know, Jesus comes down off the mountain or whatever, off the mountainside, and it says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed. They were speechless. They were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. You know what they're saying? They're, they're stepping back and saying, he is a wonderful counselor. There's, this is jaw. They're like, who's ever heard somebody teach like this before? His words have wisdom. They have focus. They pierce right through us. It's like he's, it's, people sometimes will say this to me, but it's not me. It's, this is God's Word. But, but they'll say, man, it's almost like you've been looking in my windows or something, right? Jesus taught like, like He knew you specifically, and He was speaking to you specifically because He was, right? I mean, he's, he's got that kind of wisdom and clarity and focus. But it's not just about His teaching. People were in awe of all kinds of ways, in all kinds of ways about Him. 
Very next chapter, Matthew chapter 8, actually has this scene with Jesus. He's with his disciples. He's in a boat. You guys remember this kind of story? And uh, and all of a sudden, a storm comes up out of nowhere, starts swamping the boat. Uh, the, the boat full of disciples, many of whom are fishermen, are totally freaked out, which gives you a picture of just how bad the storm was, right? I mean, the waves are crashing. It's, it's swamping the boat. They're starting to sink, and they are freaking out. Jesus is over in the corner sleeping. <laughs> you guys remember this story? Some, some have heard this. And finally, they go, and they wake Jesus up, and Jesus, save us. We're going to drown. And he gets up, and it says, he rebukes the wind and the waves. He says, be still, and they do. Instantly, the, the storm, the waves are done, and it's glassy seas. I mean, can you imagine being there for this? What, what do they say at the end? Uh, Matthew chapter 8, verse 27 says, the men were amazed, right? This is jaw-dropping stuff. It's Pele, right? It's wonderful. They're amazed, and they ask, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Who is this guy? Who can do what he, what he does? Who can say what he says? There's nobody. He's the wonderful counselor. I've never heard anything like it. It's jaw-dropping kind of stuff. It's Pele. It's wonderful. There's no one like him. There's no words to describe his power or his greatness. He taught with wisdom and authority unlike anyone else ever had. He's the wonderful counselor. And over and over throughout the pages of God's book, we see this truth about Jesus. This is who he was. He, he, when he heals people, when he teaches people, when he confronts the religious leaders of his day, when he loves on and draws near to lost people and broken people and people whose lives are a mess and he gives them grace and he leads them with truth, people are amazed, certainly after his resurrection, is that sort of a jaw-dropping moment? People that saw him die suddenly see him appear before them, and they're like, Gunk, right? Like, who is this guy? How can, I saw you die. How can you now be back from the dead? He's the wonderful, there's no one like him. The wonderful counselor. There's no one like him, never before in history, never again in human history. Isn't that awesome? It's not just the, sort of the Hallmark Channel Christmas movie type either of wisdom, right? It's not just romanticized truth that, that's only good for you on your best days when everything works out magically and every, everything works out the way it should. No, he's the wonderful counselor, maybe even especially on bad days. When our lives are a wreck, when we have made a huge mess and we have no stinking idea what we can do, it is then that Jesus steps in and says, I'm the wonderful counselor. Would you come and follow me? Would you come and draw near to me? I have good plans in store for you. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16 puts it this way. It says, for we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weakness. No, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. And then I love this ending. It says, let us then approach God's throne of grace. Let's walk into His presence with confidence so that we can receive mercy and find grace, listen to this, to help us in our time of need. Any of us ever need Him to help us in our time of need? Any of us ever, any of us going through a, a circumstance or a situation right now where we're like, I am in need. I need Him to help me in my time. He's the wonderful 
counselor, but not just the, the pie in the sky, not just some abstract. He says, no, he understands our world. He understands our flesh. He understands where we live and what's going on in our lives because he came and lived among us. He was tempted in every way, it says, just as we are. He has lived through what we have lived through, yet he was victorious. He experienced hunger. He was born into poverty. He was betrayed by friends. He knew love and rejection. He knew pain and suffering. He knew exhaustion at the end of a long work day. He's the wonderful counselor, one who has been there, who has experienced what we experience, and as a result, he empathizes with us and is able to bring mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. He's a wonderful counselor. He's our helper. He's the source of wisdom and has the authority to lead us out and direct us and show us how life works best. Now, I have to say, I hear that and I read that and I studied that all week and I thought, yeah, amen, preacher. That's good stuff, right? That's about God and a big God kind of message. And I think the, the, the problem is, is that I don't know that we believe that, right? I mean, I think we do. Oh, yeah, I believe he's a wonderful counselor kind of thing. But I wonder if he's my counselor. I wonder if he's my wonderful counselor. I wonder if he's your wonderful counselor. Or if we just think he's a wonderful counselor. He's, he's, he's a good teacher, right? He's got some good stuff to say. Some that I like, right? Some that I'll put on Facebook and we'll put a little, woohoo, we'll make a little frame around it. It'll be awesome. It'll be beautiful. But then there's other stuff that I kind of sweep under the rug because I don't, he's not really that kind of counselor for me. I'm not going to follow his direction. I'm going to live how I want to live. I'm going to go where I want to go. I want to do what I want to do. He's not really the counselor. He's not really my counselor. He's just a, one, one among many, right? He's, he's got good stuff, but then again, I saw some stuff on Facebook, and it was so compelling, right? I mean, it was so, they, they were talking about, you know, it's really better if we would live together before marriage, because that's just awesome, and then you can find out if you're compatible or not, and all this kind of stuff, and you know what? I, that's, that's going to be my wonderful counselor, and I'm going to follow that kind of guidance. I'm going to go and live in that, you see what I'm saying? So often we just sort of pick and choose, a little bit here, a little bit there, and I don't think that's how we came. Jesus didn't come just to be a wonderful counselor, one amongst many, oh, find out what you like and do a little bit of that, find out, maybe you can find another, maybe you can be your own source of truth, your own source of authority, and you can step in and just live however you want. You know, the Bible talks about days when that's happened, when everybody did what was right in their own eyes. How do you think it worked out? It was horrible, right? That caused all kinds of pain and destruction in our world. Instead, we have one that has come from heaven, one that is wonderful, that's beyond good, beyond awesome, beyond amazing, one who holds all truth, all authority, one who is truth, the Bible tells us. It's, he's, he embodies it in the person, and he came to live inside of us and to be with us, to be our, to be my wonderful counselor, to lead us and guide us in his wisdom and his truth for our goodness, for his glory, right? For our good, for his glory. He's got good plans if we'll follow him. He's not just a wonderful counselor. He's my. He needs to be my Martin Luther once said the life of Christianity is, is really all about possessive pronouns. He said it's one thing to say Christ is a Savior or even Christ is the Savior. It's another to say He is my Savior and my Lord. He says the devil can say the first. The true Christian alone can say the second, and it's true. 
I don't know why, but we've completely missed the mark on this one. God has come down to us as the wonderful counselor, the source of all wisdom, and he has spoken, and he is speaking to us through his spirit. But so often, we just ignore him and go our own way. Go, go our own way. We might know what he said about forgiving those who have hurt us, but instead we become bitter and angry anyway. We might gossip and slander anyway. We may know what God says about marriage, one man and one woman for a lifetime, but we live together or we go person to person to person anyway. We may know that God warns us not to get into huge amounts of debt, but we go there anyway. We may know what God says about giving or serving or loving our enemies or turning the other cheek or serving the poor or whatever but we go our own way anyway. He may be a wonderful counselor, but for most of us, he's not my, he's not the wonderful counselor. Francis Chan talks a lot about this. He's, he's got a great way with words, and he, he talks about it and says, man, only in, only in America would we be this screwed up. Would we, would we be so flippant about this kind of thing? He says, imagine saying to your teenage daughter, go and clean up your room. And she says, oh, dad, oh, that is so wise. I can't believe. Oh, I'm, I'm going to write that down. I'm going to journal that. Put that. In fact, I, you know what, Dad? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually take those words, and I'm going to print them out and put them on my wallet, and I'm going to memorize those words. That's so deep. Mm. Clean your room. Mm. Let me think about that. You know, maybe, maybe you know, it, it, he, he goes on and on, right? Maybe I'll get a little group of people together, and we'll study about what that might look like to clean my room. We're going we're gonna to dig in deep. We're going to get fed, right? I mean, we're, it's, it's going to be amazing. We're going to learn the Greek and Hebrew words for clean your room, and we're gonna, it's going to be amazing. He's like, what parent in their right mind would let them get away with that? I don't care if you have a group. I don't care if you can memorize it or tell me what the Greek word. I don't care. He's like, clean your room, right? Just go do it. Go put this stuff into practice. Here's, here's where I'm going with this, right? Here's where we're going. The counselor has come, the amazing, jaw-dropping counselor has come, the one with all wisdom who has come to show us, to lead us, to empower us to live a new life. He has come to you, and he has come to me, and he's trying to direct us, but we've got to follow him. Right? We've, got to, we've got to follow him. John 10, 27, Jesus is talking. He says, you know what? My sheep hear my voice. They know my voice, and they follow me. That's the difference. It's, it's the difference in possessive pronoun. Not just a wonderful counselor. Is he yours? Are you following him? Are you putting into practice what he says and what he teaches? If, and, and I'm not trying to make this a legalistic thing or anything like you can whatever, you screw up once and you're headed for hell. That's not, that's not at all what we're talking about. But we're saying if you're not putting into practice what he teaches, then we are only fooling ourselves. Then we may be good, good church-going people, but I'm not sure we're living as Christ followers because he's come as the wonderful counselor. He's come to lead and guide and fill and strengthen and speak and direct us in how life works best. And your job and my job is to follow. That's, that's what we do. We follow him. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you what, friends, he's speaking. He, is, he has spoken, and he is speaking. He is directing. He is leading. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you have opened up your heart and your life to him, then let me tell you, he's talking all the time. It, we may not be listening. We may not want to hear what he has to say, but he is trying to lead us and direct us and to counsel us 
in the way we should live. Well, how does he do it? He does it in two primary ways, right? The first one is, and this is not rocket science, but the first one is what? He speaks and he leads and he shapes and he directs through his word, right? Through his book. It's what he does. It's who he, he has, it's his book. And so he, he's come and he has spoken life into these words and he says, read it and put it into practice. Let these words transform you. If you, want, if you want him to speak more in your life, then open up this book and read and put it into practice. He talks about all kinds of practical stuff going on in your life. He teaches us things like how to raise our kids, how to discipline and train them to, to love God. He, ta- he teaches us about money, stuff like handling debt or getting out of debt or uh, giving or being generous or taking care of the poor or planning for the future or whatever. He, he teaches on things like dealing with anger anger or anxiety or depression or fear or guilt and and teaches us instead how to walk in His perfect peace. He gives us principles for managing our home and our marriages and our time, even our businesses, and on and on and on. God has a ton to say to you if you'll open up His book. This book is unlike any other you've ever read. 2 Timothy 3.16 puts it this way, everything in God's book, it's, it's His Word, it's God's Word to you. All of it is useful for teaching and helping people and for correcting them and showing them how to live. Everything in this book is God's Word to you and to me, all of it. He is the wonderful counselor, and He is speaking to you and me through this book. He is guiding you. In fact, 2 Timothy says He's teaching you, He's helping you, He's correcting you through it, which is one we don't necessarily like. We'd kind of like to cross that out in the, in the verse, but He's correcting us and all of us need it. Why? Because we get off course. Why? Because we can be real self-absorbed. Why? Because our perspective can be super narrow. It can be super off base. We can deceive ourselves in crazy ways, and sometimes we need to be corrected. Turn back from lies to the truth. Turn back from our own ways to His, whatever. And the fourth one is that he shows us how to live through it. It's practical, friends. It's powerful. It's reliable because it's not just a book. It's God's voice, God's words in book form. Psalm 119, 105. Psalm 119 is another one. The whole thing is about how great God's book is, God's word is to us. If you haven't read it, it's the longest chapter in the Bible. You should read it sometime. It's still not that long. It's doable. You can read it in one sitting. But it's, it's all filled with wisdom about God's, God's word to us. And this is one that I just love the image. He says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. God says that His Word is what keeps us from stumbling around in the dark. It's what keeps us from ending up in the ditch, right? He says this is, it directs you in how you should live. Rick Warren, uh, pastor, author of Purpose Driven Life and a bunch of others, I thought this is a great quote from him. He says, God never shuts His mouth until you shut His book. Isn't that crazy? You want to hear more from God? Do you need direction and wisdom? You need help in your time of need? Open up his book and start reading it. Don't just read it and so deceive yourselves, the Bible, James says, right? He says, do what it says. Read it and put it into practice. It really is that simple. So much of it. It really is that simple. Friends, this book has changed lives. It will change your life if you'll read it, if you'll get into it. I don't know if you guys use, we, through uh, our app, we, we've got a link on there to uh, the Bible app, version Bible app kind of thing. There's, there are, if, if you don't have a regular rhythm, there are Advent, Advent um, like studies or devotions that start today, 
they start today and lead up through Christmas. That they're written and they're, it's scripture, but it's it, it's it's different Bible studies and different uh, scriptures to read every day that will kind of help you prepare your heart for Christmas this year. And I wonder if maybe that might be a step for you. Maybe just say, you know what, I, I'm not real familiar with this book. Maybe you get on the YouVersion Bible app and you look for pl- under plans. And you find an Advent plan, so they're called it, lead it from now up until Christmas Eve to kind of help prepare and open your eyes to this wonderful counselor and the plans that he has for your life. So God speaks through his word, the second one, through his spirit, right? This is just crazy cool, but listen, I want you to look at how does uh, God refer to the Holy Spirit in John, how does Jesus refer to the Holy Spirit in John 14? It says, but he, when he comes, when he, the Holy Spirit comes, when the counselor comes, he says, interesting name, whom my father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and he will remind you of everything that I have said to you, Jesus says to his followers. When the counselor comes, he'll teach you and remind you. John 16, 13 says this, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He'll speak only what he hears from me and the father, and he will tell you of what is to come. According to those two verses, the Holy Spirit that comes, that dwells in us as we open up our lives to Christ and put our faith in Him, this Holy Spirit, this counselor is sent to teach us and to remind us and to guide us and to speak to us and to tell us of what is yet to come. That's His job, the counselor. Jesus came, right, as the wonderful counselor, and part of why He came is to actually be able to send His Spirit to live inside of you, to continue to remind you of what He taught, to lead you and guide you and even give you perspective on what is to come. Isn't that cool? And you and I have the opportunity, we have the privilege to actually step into that, to learn to to keep in step with the Spirit, to learn to hear the whispers of the Spirit, to learn to follow the Spirit throughout the course of our day. He is speaking and leading and guiding us. He is the wonderful counselor. God knows how, how important communication is in every relationship, and that's why He communes with us. He comes and lives inside of us. He sent His Spirit to come to speak and to lead and direct. And we see this page after page after page throughout God's book. We see Him, a God that speaks through His Spirit. He conversed with Adam in the Garden of Eden in the cool of the day. He spoke face-to-face with Moses as a man speaks with his friends. Elijah heard God's still small voice, the Bible talks about. When Ezekiel heard God's voice, he referred to it as like a roar of rushing waters. God thundered his voice, thundered at Christ's baptism when he says, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him, by the way, that's what he says. This is my son whom I listen to, a God that speaks throughout the book of Acts over and over and over. You see the Holy Spirit continually speaking and directing those first century believers, the church. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is speaking still if we will listen. He is still the wonderful counselor if we'll follow, if we'll, if we'll learn to engage, if we'll keep in step with him, if we'll listen and obey C.S. Lewis says, he is here and he is not silent. I love that quote. He is here and he is not silent. He still is speaking today. God clearly speaks through more than just his word and his spirit. He can use circumstances. He can use worship tunes. He can use other people, all kinds of things. But he speaks primarily through those two things, through his word and through his spirit. 
My question is, are you listening? My, the question is not if he's the wonderful counselor. He is. The question is, is he my counselor? Is he my wonderful counselor? Is he yours? Are we learning to follow him, to hear his voice through his word and through his spirit? Are we letting him, his counsel and his wisdom direct the course of our lives? When we are making decisions about jobs, when we're making decisions about families, when we're making decisions about how we spend our money, about what we do with our time, about pick something, what is the driving force of your life? Is it Him and His counsel and His wisdom, His Spirit directing us, His Word being lived out in our lives? Or is it just me? Friends, I don't know what God might be saying to you this morning, but the, the question I just couldn't get, like, the question I couldn't get out of my head is, are we listening? Are we following? Are we responding to His counsel and His greatness in our lives? He has come to be the wonderful counselor. Well, I don't know what He's saying to you this morning. It could be that you're here. Uh, maybe as we're talking about this stuff, you're like, you know what? <laughs> the truth is, He's not. He's not my one. I've, I've been sort of just heading my own way. Maybe there's been areas of my life. Heck, maybe it's my whole life that I've just been living on my own. And I've been following my own path, doing my own thing. And maybe this morning, that God is just tapping on your shoulder and nudging you and saying, man, it's time to come home. It's time to step into something better. You've been trying to live in your own counsel, and it has not been going well. Instead, today, would you step into something better? Would you, would you come before him this morning, remembering that he is a wonderful counselor? He is one that understands and empathizes with our weakness. With, he's been where we've been. And as a result, we can come before him this morning and receive mercy and receive grace and forgiveness that our past can be washed away that we can be made new, that He would send His Spirit, the Counselor, to come and live inside of us, that we could follow and lead and be His child, and He could be our God. We could walk with Him and learn to live a life infinitely better than anything we've ever tasted. If you've never done that before, friends, I would encourage you today just to open up your heart, open up your life, and just even in your own heart, cry out to God, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me for being an idiot. Forgive me for going my own way. We all have. Forgive me for time and time again turning my back on you and going my own way. And instead, God, I just want to lay my life down. Say, would you forgive me? Would you, would you save me? Would you rescue me? And would you lead me from this point forward? I am yours. Best decision you'll ever make. Maybe you're here this morning, and maybe you've done that before. I mean, you've kind of, you know, given your life to Christ. You've put your faith and trust in Him. But maybe there's a, an area of your life, maybe one or two or three, that if you're honest, you're like, I, I've been refusing His counsel. I've been saying to Him, uh-uh, right? That is, that is not going to happen. I am not following you there. But maybe today God is speaking to you, and He's tapping you on the shoulder and saying, man, Today's the day to lay that down, to receive my counsel and to step, go ahead, ask for forgiveness, lay it down, and then turn back home, turn back to me, God says, and receive grace, and let's move forward in the power of my spirit.
maybe you're here this morning, you're like, you know what? All this business about hearing from God and being le led by Him, you're like, practically, I don't hear God speak much these days. And if that's you, <laughs> maybe what God is saying is, would you open up my word? Would you learn to hear my voice in these pages? And then would you put it into practice in your lives? I'm the wonderful counselor. I have come to lead you and guide you in the way you should live, in the way life works best. Or maybe you're, you're used to regularly spending some time with him uh, every day in the pages of those book, in, in the pages of that book. But, uh, but maybe for you, maybe he's nudging you and saying, I got an adventure for you. I got something better than you can even imagine. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, before your feet hit the floor, we just say, come Holy Spirit, would you come and would you fill me today? Would you come and lead me and guide me? Would you speak and teach me to listen? Teach me to hear your word. And to the best of my ability, I'm going to follow and I'm going to obey. And if you, you start praying that prayer and looking for him throughout the course of your day, you might want to buckle up because he's got good stuff in store for I mean, we start, all of a sudden, we start seeing God's presence. We start experiencing his power in ways that we have never could have imagined before right? All of a sudden, God's nudging us and speaking to us throughout the day saying, would you, would you go and say a word for me here? Would you go and give to this poor person here? Would you come and help? Would you come and stoop down? Would you pray for? Would you share Jesus with? Would you, sometimes it doesn't even make sense. Would you stop over at this person's house and go love on them? And you're like, I don't even know what I'm doing. But you do it anyway. All of a sudden, you start seeing that the living God is working in you and through you. He is alive. He has come as the wonderful counselor, and he has amazing plans to lead you and guide you and direct you to use you in ways you can't even imagine for his glory, for his kingdom to come to earth like it is up there May it be right here in my life. Maybe for you this week, maybe it's a, a deal of just saying, God, I'm all in, right? I'm following you. Teach me. I don't know what I'm doing. Would you, would you lead me and teach me? He says, my sheep know my voice, and they follow me. Maybe this week it's just a matter of learning to put that into practice. Maybe you start sticking notes around, all around the room to remind you. When you open your eyes for the first thing in the morning, say, you know what? I'm all in, God. I'm following you. Fill me, lead me, guide me. Be my wonderful counselor because I need you. Just wrap up and just read this verse one more time. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7 says, For to us, for to us a child has been born. To us a son has been given. And the government will be on his shoulders. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, everlasting Father and Prince of Peace, of the greatness of His rule and peace, there will be no end. Let's close in prayer. God, that's our cry this morning. Come and be my, come and be our wonderful counselor. Forgive us for so often just going our own way, listening to our own counsel or the counsel of the world or Facebook theology or whatever else, instead of truly learning to follow you. I pray this week, God, would you teach us? Would you reveal to us? Would you open our eyes to see and know your presence and your leadership in us more and more? Would we be awed and amazed as we see you and get to know you more? And would you 
would you through your spirit and through your word, would you direct us and lead us and guide us? Teach us to follow you. Teach us to to just walk in your ways and in your power and in your truth and in step with your spirit. We need you, Jesus, so much. We crave your presence. We long for your kingdom to come and your will to be done in us. So would you lead us today, tomorrow, and throughout the week, God? Would you you open our eyes and our ears to see you and know you more? Lord, for the strongholds that exist in our lives, the things we've been holding back from you, we say, God, would you forgive us and we lay them at your feet this morning. Would you cleanse us, wash us, and make us clean because of Jesus, because of the sacrifice, the blood of Jesus. And would you come and fill us with your spirit. Come and live inside of us, oh wonderful counselor. Be our savior and our our God. For those that are here this morning, maybe that are struggling with who knows what, all kinds of junk going on in their lives, would you come and help them in their time of need? Make your presence and your power known. Would you touch? Would you heal? Would you speak? Would you minister in ways that only you can? How we need you. We thank you that there is grace and there is mercy for us today us and make us clean, that we can leave from here today empowered by your spirit with a fresh start to live in right relationship with you. And so we pray that you come and do so in us, God, come and have your way. We love you. We need you. We just open up our hands and our hearts and we just say, come and have your way. It's in Jesus' name.